You're listening to the On The Go with VAO News podcast for the week ending April 22nd, 2016. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is our weekly recap of the top headlines from the Daily Acquisition News. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bill Oliver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Dara Curran, content developer and fellow news writer. The Office of Personal Management is mounting a new effort to get to the root causes of and eliminate gaps in mission critical occupations, or MCOs. Together with the Chief Human Capital Officers Council, OPM will work to remedy MCOs on a government-wide basis, as well as support agencies in fixing their own internal ones. An occupational leader for each government-wide MCO will be tapped to partner with the CHCO to develop a government-wide strategy to address the root causes of the skill shortages. These efforts will encompass 1102 positions and cybersecurity roles. Agencies will be responsible for appointing a leader to coordinate gap closure activities, identifying causes contributing to the gaps, developing and submitting four- and ten-year plans for closing skills gaps, implementing both government-wide and agency-specific strategies to close the gaps, and monitoring and reporting their progress. This will occur quarterly through HR stat reviews and to the CHCO Council and annually through time-to-hire charts and MCO resource charts. The General Services Administration is preparing to reopen its Schedule 75 office supply contract to new vendors and had invited industry to weigh in with comments due last week on the best way to position the contract to meet government needs and address small business participation. GSA proposed three potential options, reopening Schedule 75 without changes, which would require minimal lead time but not reflect changes in the industry or allow for changes in evaluation criteria, transform the schedule into a new schedule with different terms and conditions, new special item numbers, and a small business preference, which would expand opportunities for new products and vendors, but it would also take up to two years to develop. Or could be some combination of the above approaches. Now, of course, this will tie in with the administration's category management efforts, and some experts see this as the next evolutionary step for strategic sourcing efforts. Former Office of Federal Procurement Policy Administrator Joe Jordan pointed out the foundational theory behind strategic sourcing initially had been pushing hard to obtain the lowest price on technically acceptable commodity items. But for schedules, if people are committing to be locked in for like five years, that does require businesses to project their potential future costs and build some risk tolerance into their pricing. That then eliminates possible price benefits that could be conferred to the government on a 6, 12, or 18-month time horizon. So instead of narrowing the eligible competitor pool and then driving the price down, category management allows agencies to start by refining and focusing their commodity criteria, then capture more real-time pricing at the task order level. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has launched a digital tool to help manage its procurement functions called e-acquisitions. The new system was created under a $8 million blanket purchase agreement and will help the agency with acquisition workload planning, distribution, file management, and tracking and evaluating vendor proposals. Senator Claire McCaskill, a member of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, has asked the Government Accountability Office to take a closer look at how the Army is managing its contracting functions and whether it has the acquisition workforce in place to meet future contracting demands. In an April 11th letter to Comptroller General Gene Dodaro, McCaskill asked GEO to evaluate how the Army is organized to manage its contracting process, how accountability for contracting decisions is maintained, 
how contracting workflow and oversight are managed, and how the Army measures and assesses contracting outcomes. The Government Accountability Office has found that agencies are making progress reducing the number of grant accounts that remain open with undispersed balances, but the total amount of dollars tied up in those accounts has increased. GAO crunched numbers in the Payment Management System, which handles about 77% of all federal civilian grant payments, and found just under 6,000 expired grant accounts are ready for closeout processing in there. Those are incurring about $29,000 in fees per month, but That is a major drop from 2012 when those accounts were racking up $173,000 per month in fees. However, almost a billion dollars was tied up across 8,800-some accounts at the close of fiscal 2015, and more than half of those exceeded their grant expiration dates by one to three years. Over 200 accounts were more than 10 years beyond their expiration. Agency officials cited various reasons for the delays, including failure by the grantee to submit a final report within a timely manner, in addition to the agency's own delays in the review and closeout process and other external factors. Agencies do have some internal process improvements underway to make for more timely closeouts, and GAO also recommended that OMB again have agencies track and report their undisbursed balances as required by their respective appropriations acts, and agencies should include this information in their annual performance reports as well, in addition to having agencies bolster their closeout policies and reduce their undispersed balances, paying particular attention to balances that have been expired for more than a year. Federal Times has opened nominations for its first annual Vanguard Awards, which will recognize innovative thinkers in the federal government. The award is intended to honor employees who dare to take the risks required to try something new or that have pressed forward with a new acquisition or technology concept not because they were required to, but because they saw the potential in the idea. Winners will be chosen in three categories, Executive of the Year for Leaders Who Drive Change, Programs of the Year for Government Industry Collaborations that Find New Solutions to Longstanding Problems, and Unsung Heroes of the Year for Non-Managerial Employees Who, with Inspiration and Hard Work, Brought an Innovative Idea to Fruition. Nominations may be submitted online through May 30th. NASA has issued a proposed rule that would amend its regulations to clarify its award fee process. Specifically, the rule would incorporate terms used in award fee contracting, guidance relative to final award fee evaluations, the release of source selection information, and the calculation of the provisional award fee payment percentage in NASA and item award fee contracts. Comments on the proposed rule must be submitted by June 21st to be considered in the formation of a final rule. So the Army came out with some new guidance this week, and it incorporated a couple of pretty progressive ideas, and I was glad to see that. It's great, of course, for our clients directly at the Army, but the changes also reflect where I think we see trends heading for performance measurement and budget tracking as far as you know the future is concerned. So I thought it had nice takeaways for other listeners, too. Here are... Basically, there are three broad ideas that I particularly wanted to highlight, but there's a good amount of good stuff in there anyway. So one was getting rid of the use it or lose it proposition uh, in terms of the appropriated funds that are given to the different organizations. Second is measuring goals by whether the target outcomes are being met. And third is tracking a single function across different organizations to get a better idea of trends and true costs. Yeah, that's great. I love the... The, the amending the use it or lose it rule. And I called it, 
I'm pretty sure yes. I, I, I have to go back and listen to our previous podcast, but this has come up several times and and I, I had the idea that somebody somewhere was going to start amending that. I thought it might be lawmakers. Um, <laughs> Don't hold um, your breath. <laughs> but good, you know, good on good on the army. Um, uh, Acting Secretary Murphy, good on him for uh, you know doing what's within his control um, within the appropriations process. Obviously, this isn't going to allow the army or programs to keep funds after the end of the fiscal year because that's a little you know kind of beyond his pay grade but um it does it does amend the process um so i kudos kudos secretary murphy yeah that was good to see and you know regarding the use it or lose it um I would love for there to be a way for them to give a bonus, you know, to people if they're like able to, you know, find a way to more efficiently use it. But of course, you know, I can't even imagine what sort of anti-deficiency act nightmare that would create. But uh, at the very least, you know, he did say it's no longer it's going to be that we automatically dock your funds if what you allocated isn't spent. Now, funding adjustments may still be needed. They did reserve the right to do that. But they're first going to look at why those monies didn't get used up. Was there maybe like a one-time holdup in something that didn't get delivered or some part of the process was delayed? Or do the levels really need a, a systematic examination for what they should be at for future years? And the next thing is shifting performance analysis to whether the commands are meeting their target goals. This is absolutely where the metrics of the future will be for everybody. This is, you know, Army's not the first one to, to pull this up, and, and we're going to continue to hear about it. It is a really good idea, but it is a bit trickier to implement. I mean, how do you measure quality, right? It, it's an easy metric to say, okay, well, what dollar amount did you project you were going to spend, and then what did you really end up spending, right? It's just numbers and numbers, super easy comparison. But unfortunately, it's not a true reflection of what the ultimate goal is. You know, with the Army, if the goal is, say, you know, X measure of defense readiness, that's what the measurements are going to prioritize first. Money is a measure, of course, isn't never going to get tossed out like a baby with the bathwater with government, right? But the new policy does recognize it's a corollary factor, right? The, the ultimate outcome is what they're after. The third item I found particularly interesting because... It's a single organization taking on what is a big challenge really for the government as a whole, and that's tracking a mission function and how it gets accomplished and examining ways to improve delivery and outcomes. But, you know, it's not generally happening in a vacuum, and this is, this is the kind of cool thing. So what they're going to do is look at how critical processes are accomplished, monitor the function across the whole enterprise, not solely look at who is performing the function and how that little group is, you know, doing it or or what money is coming from what piggy bank to pay for it. So efforts and goals and programs, all things that are like handled collectively or cooperatively, the Army is going to be tracking the performance lifecycle of that function across the enterprise. Who helps? What money? What staffing? What's contributing to that? And that is going to give them a better way of assessing is there duplication or overlap in this function, right? Not in the group. Uh, can something be consolidated? Does the function actually need to maybe be scaled up and we get more com- people contributing to it? So it was interesting for me because I think, you know, on a government-wide scale, we hear about this being a major challenge. Uh, you know, interagency agreements and things, there are a lot of stuff the government wants to accomplish that, oh, geez, it sure would be great to have more than one agency advancing towards that mutual goal. But because of how the government is structured, everything is compartmented, right? This agency gets that pot of money. This agency gets this one. They may have different ways of accounting for it, obligating it. So how exactly do you toss your collective might and funding together if things are locked up in these separate incompatible streams? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this works out for them. Taking it down to a smaller level on an army only scale, 
to track those critical processes first. But I do bet we will see in the future more of this principle playing out, at least within single organizations, if not, you know, creeping out beyond those boundaries. It, it really actually kind of, I think, relates to one of the earlier points. It's a similar cloth as examining outcomes and judging performance on that rather than, you know, who did what with what money. So, you know, functions, are you, are we meeting goals no matter how that gets done? Um, so anyway, I don't know. I thought, I think that's the wave of where the government's going to be going in the future. So that would be my prediction for this <laughs> to add to, to, <laughs> add to your little use it or lose it. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, no, it was, sorry. no, it's very good because that is, that is, a, that is a huge challenge and it's, it's very difficult you know, to get government working together because of the way it's budgeted, because of the way everything's all set up. But we are seeing, you know, category management and things like that, where where little pieces slowly are are centralizing. And you know, we're hearing, you know, we hear a lot of the, the term "one government." You know, mm-hmm. buying is one, doing is one. Uh, I remember it was a couple of years ago, President Obama. Uh, I think it was during his State of the Union, talked about you know how many agencies have to deal with salmon. You know, if it's freshwater or seawater, if it's coming or going, you know, different, you know, different agencies have control over the salmon. Um, so, you know, get, you know, being able to consolidate offices. The salmon function. Yeah, the salmon function. But, you know, but going back to your point, you know, it doesn't matter who has the money is not as important as who's taking care of things. Right. You know, right. so so being able to get agencies working together, even offices within agencies working together, I think is a heavy lift in some places. So it's good yeah. to see the Army taking that on. I, I, I really think overall the trend is just kind of moving towards, you know, taking taking everything up to a higher level. You know, what's the strategy? You know, how are we going to get where we want to go? And and moving towards empowering people. And I do think, you know, I've seen some clients recently from um, uh, our webinar, for example, last week. I think people are hungry in a lot of ways for the empowerment to be like, okay, look, you know, let's bring our judgment and all of our expertise to, you know, come to bear on this problem and sort of see where we're going. So I don't know. It's sort of an exciting time in a way. I mean, things are still kind of coalescing with like category management and stuff. We don't really exactly know what that's going to look like when that's fully implemented and stuff. But but, but things are moving in an interesting way. So anyway. Okay, well, that is it for this week. If you're a government agency subscriber to the Virtual Acquisition Office website, you can find links to this week's headlines for further reading on VAO on the same page where you downloaded the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you'll join us again Monday, May 2nd, so you can catch up on all the latest acquisition developments as you kick off your work week. Goodbye.